My name is Mary, and I am a people pleaser. Do you have a hard time making decisions? Do you find yourself often saying yes when you really want to say no? Are you always doing things for other people and in turn putting yourself on the back burner? Well, you, my friend, may very well be a people pleaser too. Victor Hugo says that suffering ceases to be suffering the moment it finds meaning. And my hope with this podcast is to share my knowledge and experience to help you start your journey as a recovering people pleaser today. What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of People Pleasers Anonymous with your host, your girl, me. Uh, I know it's been a minute again, but it's kind of always been a minute um, for various reasons. And like I always say, I try not to do this out of uh, forcing stuff that I don't really feel is relevant. Um, But I have actually been wanting to do one for a while, but life has just been pretty crazy between family stuff coming up and work being very full on um, for myself and for Eric, which in turn affects me, obviously. But yeah, I'm going to jump right into it. I don't know what this is going to be called per se yet. I'll have to title it after. Um, But it's probably one of those ones where it seems like I have no point and maybe I don't, but at least you'll probably get a few golden nuggets along the way. And who knows, maybe I'll surprise us both and kind of wrap it all back into one underlying theme. So first of all, uh, like I said, we had some family stuff go on and I'm definitely going to keep it super vague uh, in order to keep their privacy. But what is really cool, although it was a not so cool thing that happened, was I had such a similar experience with my own life growing up, which I've touched on um, in here quite a bit, that I was really, really able to help in what I felt like was a way that nobody else could. I didn't particularly do anything uh, amazing, (laughs) but sometimes uh, just having someone else have true empathy versus sympathy, obviously you feel bad when something happens, but true empathy can only occur if you've had such a similar experience that you are able to empathize and sort of have those same feelings and understand when if someone hasn't experienced that, they just simply won't. And I was able to do that. So the reason I'm kind of starting this as the intro is because of what I said in one of the first episodes. And I think I tried to quote Eminem and then I took it out because there's all these like uh, sort of copyright issues of having songs in there. And it just sounded like I was butchering it when I was rapping it myself. (laughs) But basically um, in I think The Monster by Eminem and Rihanna, he says like, if I can help a kid, one kid out of a hundred million who's going through a struggle feels it relates, that's great. And that's kind of what I felt when I started this podcast. Uh, it's not very structured. It's not the best quality. Um, it's helpful for me more than anything, which is what motivates me to keep doing it and kind of do something creative because I don't really have many creative outlets anymore. Um, but apart from all that, my just knowing deep down and sort of drive to do it was just that I just had a feeling that it could help at least one person Um, and without experiencing everything I had to bring me to this point I never would have started this podcast so my point is sometimes you never realize until years later why you experience something 
Uh, usually in that case, we're referring to something that's negative. And I mean, we can all probably look back and see, oh, it shaped us like into who we are, which is great. And everyone should just be okay with that because true love for yourself is obviously loving, you know, the parts that are harder to love and the parts that are easier. And all of your experiences shape that. But I truly think that like we experience things and we are able to relate to humans so that we can help each other and grow from it. Because like I say on here, when I help someone through something I've helped or sort of gotten through myself, not only does it help them and make them sort of feel valued and just heard because it, someone else has had a similar experience, but it also helps me to sort of re-solidify the things that I learned out of that too. So. Maybe you're going through something right now that feels like you have no idea why the universe would throw that at you and it feels pretty shitty, um, but that's my little tidbit in saying that I bet you'll be able to look back one day and realize that it had some sort of greater meaning. Second thing that's been, uh, I don't want to say a struggle because that's kind of being negative, but just work, like I mentioned, for both myself and Eric has been super full on these past couple months. Uh, probably more for both of us in our adult lives than it ever has before. And, you know, that's definitely obviously caused some, not even disputes, but when you're just so drained and you're sort of in that negative momentum from work and then you come home, and especially if we're both that and we're not really realizing that we're like projecting that negativity further into your home life, uh, it definitely can be uh, not the best. But I would say we've sort of had that phase and overcome it, and I think I'll touch on certain themes uh, of other things I've learned from that later on um, without going into too much detail, obviously, to exploit my whole entire relationship. <laughs> but um, what I remembered was two things. One, uh, a former good friend, who I hope they're still doing well if they ever listened to this, uh, told me one time, and it's kind of random and at the time I was like trying to make it make sense and it did and I don't really think this is like scientific per se or uh, metaphysics or really anything specific but it's just interesting and it kind of still helped me because just accepting this instead of sort of always wanting everything to be okay at once uh, could be helpful so what they said was like two out of these three things are only ever good at one time for a human. And obviously you can see the good in everything, but like, I mean the kind of good where everything's flowing, it's easy, you're like making progress, but it doesn't feel like it's a huge struggle or, you know, like you're putting uh, extraordinary amounts of effort in running yourself ragged. So the three things would be like work, finances, and love life. And I feel like, you know, back a year ago today, um, for me, the, the work and the finances would have been what I would consider good. And like I said, work isn't bad now. It's just the thing that's the less, the least easy of those three things. Um, and then, you know, back in a, a few years ago for me, I would say probably finances was the one that was really kind of having a toll on my life. Um, and then, you know, Eric and I, I would like to think he would agree. We sort of got the love one down pat now and the finances themselves are better for both of us than they have been in our lives. But it's the work one <laughs> that seems to be being a struggle. So that could be helpful. Like I said, it's not overly positive, but like I've talked about lots with just the law of attraction and stuff is 
There's a difference between faking positivity to the point where it doesn't even feel real, and there's a point where you're being so negative that you're making things worse for yourself than they are. So sometimes not being a realist, because that could still end up just looking at what is and not the sort of shorter or like better end of the stick with things. Um, but it's just, for me, I just remembered it and it felt helpful. It's like, okay, so this is the period where work is hard, but you know what? Finance is hard. When finances are hard, like that sucks. That's frustrating and it's stressful. And when love is hard, that can be, you know, heartbreaking and also frustrating and lonely. So for right now anyway, yeah, it's work, but I've had the other two be bad and I would say this is still the best of the worst, although maybe it keeps cycling and one of those will be bad again. I'm assuming that's probably life. And like I said, I really don't even think I'd classify it as bad, but just the most difficult. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then the, the other thing that I thought of too, and I'm just kind of sharing how I got out of my, not even rut, but just truly feeling like completely overwhelmed with work and seeing no light at the end of the tunnel, nothing going to get easier or less busy in the foreseeable future. And that can be really daunting, right? And it can get you stuck in these sort of negative thought patterns. And then obviously what you think is what you experience. So uh, what I remembered is what I say all the time, uh, the universe doesn't give you anything you can't handle. And that's true. So sometimes it feels like you won't and you might not even handle it in the way you thought you would, but we always do sort of get to that other side and are able to look back and think, I did it. You know, maybe not did it perfectly, maybe not did it and had the best outcome, but you get through it either way. Um, so the example I thought of for myself was like, if work was this full on for me last year, uh, my life would probably be completely different right now because it's just over a year, probably a year and a month or two um, since, you know, I made that big step, which I'd been wanting to make for so long and leaving my past relationship and selling my house and starting all over again. And because work was easy and finances was easy at that time, it's like the one love one out of the three, I was able to focus on it and not sort of just get by at work, but it just was a lot less demanding. So it was like the perfect timing to do that. I truly think that if work was this full on at that time, I probably wouldn't have had the gall to get through it because it would have felt like too much to take that crazy big step and change my whole entire life if I was just feeling the way that I feel at work right now. So it's interesting to see that too. It's like, the universe doesn't give you anything you can't handle. It doesn't mean it's going to give you all easy shit because that's not the point of life and that's not how you learn. But what it does mean is that you can look back and see, okay, this is why I'm getting this now. And I know it, sometimes it can feel like it's just like one thing after another. And again, it kind of is because that's the point of life to, to keep having more challenges and overcome them and grow and do it again and again. Um, so yeah, I thought that those were little interesting things that kind of helped me change my mindset and maybe they'll help you too. All right. So sort of spiraling off of that, um, like I said, I had just been feeling like work was way too much, especially because with hosting different sports things, there's a lot of overtime. So you're working like late nights, early mornings, uh, weekends, etc. And it just felt like the reason for me why it feels so frustrating, and probably most people if you have to do that, is because it's taking away your freedom. Um, 
it's like time that feels like it should be yours because you have that routine. And I realize some people are shift workers, whatever. Um, and then, you know, it just feels like you have no sort of say in your life to do what you actually want because you're stuck doing stuff you have to do, which is work. But then I got my nails done. <laughs> and what I realized was those people, the nail techs where I go anyway, and I know this is kind of a common thing, they work Monday to Sunday every single week. Holiday, if the little mall they're in, the like plaza is open, they're open. And they also are a family. It's a couple that are the main two people that I think own it and uh, run it. And they're still working every day. I know a lot of people see, you know, like becoming a CEO or sort of becoming an owner of a company and then you get to like sit back and go golfing all day while you yell at your employees to do stuff. But these people still work frontline every single day. And if you've ever got your nails done or just been in like a nail salon, it is not like my job where I can go to the bathroom whenever, eat, drink, um, go for coffee if you want. If there's customers, like you're working constant, nonstop with your hands, dust in your face. I know they're wearing masks and they're obviously accustomed to it, but it's just like it could be so much worse. But the other part is they chose that. And Again, I know everyone chooses work for some reasons because it's kind of what they like and it makes sense and it's feasible and they're qualified. But either way, they it, we all still have choice. They could have chose something else if they really didn't like it. And they seem to have a good attitude about it every single day. You know, I mean, I've seen them get frustrated when certain clients are being dicks, but who wouldn't? But for the most part, like they don't come in and just complain that they have to work every day of their lives. And when customers talk to them, I usually ask them, you know, about their kids. But apart from that, I mean, they don't really have much of an exciting life because their life is work. And that couple, I can't see having much couple time either because I think they start around 10 or 9 and I think they leave at 7 and they have a daughter. So, you know, not only are they doing that and it could be worse, but they chose to do that. And I'm sure there have been times where they feel like it's, too much or they have no time for themselves but you can just tell and feel that they are focusing on the good every single day focusing on the little human interactions with people getting enjoyment out of that um probably if i had to guess it's an assumption obviously but in their relationship maybe they both have quality time as one of their love languages so they see just getting to be at work together every day uh, even though it's not stuff they probably want to be doing per se they still get to spend, you know, their whole entire day together and maybe that's enough for them. So it just is good to look at other things to put into perspective what you are dealing with. Uh, sometimes it can also be stuff that you used to deal with and you forget how good you have it now because we all sort of get comfortable and spoiled in whatever situation we have that we forget that it could be so much worse or that maybe it was at one time. So that helped me change my perspective as well. So then I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I was home for whatever reason, um, maybe it was the weekend, and I listened to a podcast, which I hadn't in a while, and I pick podcasts like I pick books. I just go down a random thing that feels like it's like something I'm supposed to listen to, and I don't overthink it, uh, and it might be, you know, one from way back, and I feel like I've talked about this on here before, so I'm gonna try not to beat a dead horse but anyway I ended up listening to one of Alana Pratt's podcasts um if you haven't checked her out definitely do 
uh, her podcast is, um, gosh, I can't think of the name right now, and it's I'm not really going to quote the podcast itself, so I'm not putting it in the show notes, but if you just search Alana Pratt, she's absolutely amazing. Um, it's something to do with kind of like sex, sex stuff, but like in a fun, like spiritual way, not like overly detailed or, or like gruesome or anything. Um, if, oh, it's Intimate Conversations. There we go. I thought of it. So yeah, she's really great. Uh, excellent vibe, great voice. And she just asks such good questions when she does interview people. But this was actually her little tidbit um, before she started the interview. And it was a song, which I don't know, but it's something about like, are you having any fun? And she was saying that she was feeling like she was kind of getting back into sort of a similar negative momentum like I just explained and then she remembered that song and to just chill out and that little moments like shouldn't stress her out and I know that sounds so simple and so oversaid and it's also easier said than done if you're in that mindset and someone tells you to chill out you're probably just gonna want to punch them in the fucking face <laughs> but if you can sort of catch yourself doing it with things that don't matter so much like I think, I don't know what it was that day, maybe I was like waiting and Eric was late and I was excited to hang out with him, but instead of just like doing something, the fact that I was still home, not at work and could be doing something I enjoyed, I just like couldn't get out of that mindset until I started listening to this podcast and then it did help. Um, But like looking back at that moment, I could have easily been like, well, I'm still grateful that I'm not at work right now. I'm going to do xyz because I like doing it and I did end up doing that but sometimes it's just we get so stuck on what we want to happen that when it doesn't uh it feels so much worse than it actually is and then you start focusing on every little thing and how annoying it is but that's that's how you don't have fun and that's kind of what I realized too sort of tying it all back with the nail people and my work even it still is fun. There's still lots of moments in the day that are fun. And, you know, it's not, it could be so much worse. So, again, it's so simple, but it's these kind of things we need to keep reminding ourselves. And you're never really going to just be able to do perfectly without having to sort of catch yourself not doing it and bring yourself back because that's just being human. But, like, the nail people at work, like, they probably still don't love busting ass every day, seven days a week, but they focus on the little parts of it that are good, you know? Uh, Whatever your job is, there's still little parts of it that are good, I'm sure. Uh, So, yeah, I just thought that that was, like, helpful, although it's kind of what I've been saying the whole time. It was more so I could tell the universe was really trying to, like, sell me this message because it seemed like everywhere I went that was sort of random, I was getting that same kind of message of chill out, not only don't sweat the small stuff, but appreciate the little stuff instead, and then you, in turn, just won't sweat the small stuff, because that's how the law of attraction works. So, the last thing that I just wanted to touch on with regards to sort of getting out of a funk, maybe that's what I'll call this, (laughs) getting out of a funk. I knew the title would come up. Um, But there is also a whole other section, uh, which is about other stuff, but this is the last point on that is when you're feeling really overwhelmed, small goals really are helpful. And I do think I heard this on another podcast, but it was just like such a va- like a vague little thing. I didn't remember who. It just kind of stuck in my head. So shout out to whoever if it sounds familiar. Sorry for taking your stuff. But <laughs> basically, it's to set small goals when you're feeling really low. So 
if the next moment is just a little better than the moment before, then that's already good enough, you know? Sometimes when we are in these overwhelmed states and then, like, we just keep sort of only seeing the end goal and we're not getting there, not getting there, then we lose sight of the fact that we are still maybe progressing in little ways. Um, And even with your attitude, like, that's what I just kind of kept telling myself. Like, okay, it's like, I'm just going to be a little less anxious than yesterday, like a little less depressed than the day before and like moment by moment and just focus on a little bit better, a little bit better. And then it's just not like such an overwhelming goal if you're trying to go from zero to a hundred or whatever it may be. And then lastly, what I wrote there was just what I've been saying. It's true. Um, time and time again, how would you get better if you didn't keep getting challenged, right? It's literally like anything ever. Um, that's why no matter what you do, even if you try to stay in a comfort zone, like life will keep challenging you in some way or another, because that's the purpose of being a human. It's to learn and grow because I truly believe that you have a soul that's going to get incarnated in other lives and has already. And the only way for your soul to keep growing is by having these experiences. You have to learn by experience. So that's really all it is. All right, so part two of this episode is just going to be about more specific sort of like soul lessons that I kind of learned um, when I was going through all this. Not that I hate even saying going through something. Like it wasn't that that bad, but it was just, I don't know. I've heard this on other podcasts. I think it's referencing something like the dark night of the soul. I think that's usually like about a quest and like one really specific thing leading to a climax. But I think we all sort of have these highs and lows of life and, uh, Yeah, so anyway, those were the general ways that I sort of got myself back into a good momentum after feeling that way. And then here are some things that I learned that are a little more um, emotional or deeper, I suppose. So just because someone makes you feel a way, be it negative, and I know too, nobody can make you feel anything, but really what's happening is somebody does something or acts a certain way that triggers something in you, you have an emotion and you know you can acknowledge that what it's coming from or sometimes we can't right away and so it's not that they're making you feel that you're allowing yourself to feel that way but regardless somebody does something that sparks this emotion inside you so just because someone makes you feel a way like I said I know they can't make you feel even if it's negative if you know that that wasn't the intent behind it why hold on to it now I made this up, or I think I did, so it's not a beautifully written sort of uh, philosophical thing, but I did I did find it quite beautiful once I sort of understood this. So the example, basically, long story short, like I said, both Eric and I had work that ramped up like on the exact same day in the exact same week, and I think in turn we were both sort of expecting each other to like not even baby each other per se, but just like we both thought we had it worse without even talking to each other. So we were both kind of like in that self-righteous, like I guess victim mentality you could kind of say. Um, So then essentially he was in that mood. I didn't really realize what was going on. It made me feel negative and it felt like although untrue, that he didn't care that I had all this shit going on at work and it was so extra and I felt not supported. Now, 
not very quickly, but relatively quickly, I then realized that that was false. It's just he had the exact same feeling of pressure going on with his work. So it wasn't him not being supportive. We both needed support, and instead of giving it to each other, we were both sort of like looking for it and almost expecting it. Now, while this happened, I did sort of realize that, but then instead of just letting it go, being supportive, being okay, I wanted to be right. And I don't really mean it's a right and wrong because it's, it's not right in this case. But what I'm saying is I wanted to be, I wanted to win. I wanted to win the sort of pity <laughs> or I wanted to have it worse. And, and we had like, you know, a decent, decent sized argument, medium sized pizza argument. I don't know. <laughs> not about pizza. It just sounded funny. I was sizing arguments, but anyway, so what I could have done is literally just understood that and let it go, but then it didn't even become about that anymore. It became about like me wanting him to apologize for not being supportive, right? And then in turn, like, it just made me feel so much worse for so much longer when I could have literally just realized that wasn't the intention. So even if someone makes you feel away, um, and it's negative, if that's not what they intended to do, why not just drop it right there? It's it's our ego, right? Our ego wants to win. Our ego wants the apology. And I'm not saying apologies aren't sometimes necessary and important because they are. But what I'm saying is when it's really like not on purpose, I think we all can imagine times where we do this, like stop holding on to it. Just realize the intent behind it instead of waiting for them to see how their behavior affected you. And you'll save you and whoever the other party is so much grief. Second thing goes hand in hand with the scenario I'm explaining. Always getting, you're always getting what you're putting out. Um, so it goes back to sort of people are mirrors of you and whatever you're vibrating at, whatever sort of emotions you have going inside, people are going to be the same thing. And that is also what was happening in that time. We were both sort of searching for, like I said, extra support, maybe even a kind of like, oh, you have it so hard, whatever. Uh, but because we were both doing that, instead of getting what we wanted, we got exactly what we were vibrating in each other. So I thought that was just like so ironic and not funny then, but kind of funny now. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's not going to be easy to catch yourself in those moments, but it is helpful to look back like this and reflect on it because looking back now I can see like, no wonder he was acting like that. That's exactly how I was acting from the exact same emotion. So it doesn't mean downplay your emotions, but it does mean sort of taking a second and analyzing what you're feeling and where it's coming from. And, you know, being the first too to just like open up and explain instead of bottling stuff up and sort of, again, waiting for someone else to not even apologize, but to acknowledge. It's like we've all had the typical scenario. You're sitting there and you're pissed and you're just gonna stay silent until your partner or your friend or your mom notices that you're pissed um, but then half the time they probably just end up doing the same thing so it's like it takes someone to be the first you know and I, I know I've said that lots before as well so then there was a very helpful podcast which again I stumbled upon so beautifully from JJ Flazanes who I have quoted lots um, check out her podcast as well and Basically, again, I didn't write down the actual name, but I will find this one and put it in the show notes because I am going to pull from it quite a bit here. Um, 
But basically, it was to change the way you interpret when your partner triggers you. So, JJ and Doug, her partner, sometimes they do um, shows together. They also have separate podcasts. And basically, the scenario they explained was they were going for, like, a hike or whatever. And they just come from really different backgrounds. And honestly, this is a huge thing, too. Like, even if you are with someone that's from Canada and had, like, I don't know, two parents growing up and it was relatively similar. It's the smallest little things that are still different that sometimes we act out of however our upbringing was and we just like expect that to be okay for the other person and you don't even realize that that might be an exact trigger for them. So basically in the scenario, it's a common theme for them where JJ felt like Doug, her partner, wasn't listening to her when she'd have to repeat herself with stuff again and again. Uh, or when he would ask the same question that she's already told him the information, like, what's on the go today? And then she would be pissed because he already told him exactly what she had on for that day. Now, from his side, he explains how he grew up in sort of a big family. Um, they would always just kind of, like, talk lots and ask words and fill the silence. So it's literally just saying, like, what's up, even though you know what's up. Whereas for JJ, she had triggers, I think, with previous partners, she might have said, or just something where, like, a core wound for her was feeling not listened to. Um, And so she immediately would just be triggered and feel, like, unimportant, feel undervalued by him, and this is sort of what was causing their stuff. So this is a common theme, and I feel like anyone in a long-term relationship, or if you've had one in the past, Uh, And probably even any relationship with friends, with maybe coworkers, family, you sort of have these themes. Like with people you're really close with, there's the one thing that you'll always kind of fight about. And it really does go back to your core wounds and like what specifically you dealt with growing up so that now if it even feels close to that same thing, it's going to trigger you and make you have the same feelings of whatever sort of that was in your past. So basically they talk this out and talking it out obviously is number one, uh, relatively self-explanatory and obvious and hopefully whoever you have this with, you do at least that part. But what she said they realized was you can't just talk it out. And so what often happens in these moments, and Eric and I experienced this well, similarly with also me talking too much and him feeling not heard. It comes back to core wounds, so the ones they mention in this are abandonment and feeling invisible, and I'm not going to go too deep in those for, like, me personally, because I still need to explore what that specifically would come from, probably in therapy, because those are pretty deep, but regardless, whatever it's from, we realize that those are, like, specific patterns that would always sort of trigger us. And me, obviously, it's people-pleasing, right? So the slightest anger in someone else, even if it's not at me... I can't help but feel the need to over-please, um, be overly nice, uh, like shut down. Anyway, you get the point. You're people-pleasers too. <laughs> but yeah, so what usually happens in these scenarios is we try to eliminate the behavior. So what they had tried before was, okay, so Doug's going to like stop doing that. He's going to stop asking her questions. And same thing for like Eric and I. Okay, like he hates being interrupted. I'm going to just not interrupt you. And it sounds like an easy fix, but it's one of those things where it's truly not intentional from the opposite party. So it's never just going to work where you can literally avoid ever triggering that person again. And 
even if you could somehow, something else will still trigger you. And the why, that is because of why we experience all contrast. Because the universe keeps giving you the same thing again and again and again. So you practice it, you feel that shittiness, you push through it, you learn new strategies, and you grow. Uh, but so their strategy that they came up with was instead of, like, they had also the example of Doug saying, why can't you just not get frustrated? Well, that's not going to work because that's her trigger. Like, no matter how much therapy, whatever you go to, you can still sometimes pivot in the moment. You can definitely get better at it, experience it less. But if it's a core wound trigger, like, it's just going to happen. It just is. No matter how much people try to sort of perfect their behavior around you that they think might trigger you. So you have to change the way you interpret when your partner triggers you. So then she had a a random example of crumbs. Like he's pretty clean, but I guess he leaves crumbs all over. So she started thinking instead of like being annoyed at the crumbs, although that was less of a specific trigger. (laughs) It it sounds funny, but it's true. It's like one day when Doug's gone, heaven forbid, like I'm going to miss those crumbs. And like those are the crumbs of the man that I love. And It sounds kind of lame and maybe too far the other way, but, like, it is true. So, you know, in those moments, like, again, it's not going to come right away, probably not in the moment, probably doing exactly this, sort of experiencing it and then reflecting back after, uh, because it's like anything. In a game setting, you can't always, uh, like, perfectly execute a new foot footwork move you just learned in sports, right? You have to do it in practice where there's no, like opponents coming at you then you do it in practice where there are opponents coming at you and sometimes in game setting you can execute it and sometimes you can't and that's life and that's sports so anyway for example what instead like if I'm interrupting Eric instead of him getting so frustrated and triggered and feeling not listened to and feeling like I don't value him he could see that the reason I usually interrupt is because I'm just so excited about the conversation that I can't hold it in. And sometimes it's even that, like I want to show my interest uh, by saying something. And often too, it's because half the time I'll then forget, which I've just learned to accept. It's like, okay, whatever. If I forget what I'm going to say, it wasn't meant to be. Sometimes I'll write it down too if we're in like a sort of heated creative discussion. Um, but so like... If if you could just see, like, where it's coming from instead of just being annoyed at the thing that happened itself and then also see where yours is coming from too, right? Then uh, it could probably help. Same thing with a people-pleasing incident with myself. Like, let's say, I don't know, Eric's really uh, pissed about road rage or whatever. I take that on falsely. I feel like it's my fault. I start apologizing profusely or whatever. Instead, just, like, see where it's coming from. It's not at me. It's at the situation, at the road rage, and see where my stuff's coming from. I don't actually feel the need to apologize. It just feels so much like other situations where that was my, uh, like, safety mechanism that you simply can't help it. And specifically with being heard and interrupting, I'm not saying it's a good excuse, but what I did also learn on a podcast way back is women, for the most part, and I think, like, sort of gender... Um, overgeneralizations are obviously becoming more and more relevant, but this is just, again, an overgeneralization, but to understand things. Women, for the most part, they said, uh, 
interrupt each other and that's like how they roll like if you listen to women talk it's like someone's like blah 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 and you're like, you're like oh my gosh yes I've had this too da, da, da. and you're like yeah la, la. so it's like that's how we sort of show that we're like interested in what each other's saying by interrupting uh so it's hard sometimes to not do that with a guy who might feel like you're just being really rude so the last strategy they came up with in this scenario apart from obviously like I said recognizing what the intent behind whatever they did that triggered you actually was in this case Doug was just being friendly uh he wanted to talk to her trying to give her attention and get attention trying to just literally converse with your partner then understand where the other person's sort of feelings are coming from that trigger it makes you feel this because of your past go back to the core wounds try to work on those but they also had the idea of a safe word uh, and I thought that was really beautiful too. So when it's happening in the moment, it's too hard, especially if it's heated, to sort of do everything I just did and dissect it all, although I think that's important to do after. But just saying a safe word. So it's like you see that your partner is interpreting whatever you're doing in a way that's triggering them. Or like for me, it would be like I accidentally interrupt and then immediately realize that that's going to trigger him and I didn't mean to and that wasn't the intent behind it at all. It wasn't to be rude. It wasn't to be disrespectful. It wasn't because I wasn't listening. Usually, in fact, it's the opposite. Just say the safe word. Just say whatever it is. So I forget what theirs was. Um, I'm not going to say what ours is because then people will know. But let's say it's, uh, you know, washing machine. <laughs> Just say washing machine and it will at least just sort of break the intensity. And then if you've had this conversation with your partner or your uh, family member, friend, whoever you're feeling this could be helpful with, then that alone will sort of like allow you both to step back and see what's actually going on instead of just be triggered and heighten the situation from there. So lastly with this, apart from obviously all that great advice, which I got from all those sources and experiences, uh, what I noticed about, especially listening to that last podcast, is like, it's helpful to hear others you look up to having the same problems you do. Uh, in my case, so that you don't second guess, because it was getting like, not even close to anything worth giving up on. But in my past, I just sort of I never would actually give up too easy, but instead of working through things often because people pleasing was such a big thing for me and it still is and it's always going to be, um, but like I would also just not be able to have these very helpful discussions with partners, so it would just kind of like happen. It would finally de-escalate, but none of this would ever get like talked about and resolved, so I just never felt heard. I never felt like we were sort of getting through stuff. So then the only way to feel safe in my head would be to think, like, I want to give up, I want to give up. And then obviously, like, you know, alcohol and emotions, like, I, like, very unjustly, like, had thought that for a second, like, in my own head with everything going on. But then quickly, like I said, realized that this is not that because, yeah, shit's going to happen no matter what. But in actually growing from it and learning from it, that's the difference. That's when you don't give up. But... It was just helpful then to also hear that like these problems which seem like stuff that we talk so openly and so much about and we're both so self-aware like why are we still having this but like JJ Fazanes is like kind of my idol or one of them like she does a podcast she's an empowerment strategist she life coaches people uh, so to hear that like she has these same like super minuscule problems with her partner 
and uh, and that they can't always work it out in the moment either. But they the best they can do is exactly what I explained, sort of breaking it down after and then working on new strategies. It made me feel really good because it's like sometimes we have these crazy expectations, people pleasers and perfectionists especially, that once we finally find like the right job or the right partner or you know whatever it's going to be all completely great but that's never a thing with anyone even people that that's literally their job is to teach law of attraction and be positive and share it with others so you know that's why I share what I do share on here without like I said trying to overshare um to still have some privacy but because maybe not (laughs) wow now I sound cocky it's like because obviously you look up to me if you're listening no I don't mean that but maybe in some way um you hear me say stuff and you're like oh I wish I could do that well that's why I share the raw and dirty with you because anybody can and also everybody can't uh, always you know you can't always do the stuff you know you should but that's why it's helpful to share experiences and be able to relate to people and yeah, it's just, it really takes, I remember when I was first sort of getting into this stuff and I heard like self-worth or self-work, sorry, <laughs> is sort of like looking, it's the, it's the hardest thing because you have to go so deep and like so hard. And at the time, like I just didn't really know what that meant, but I did gradually do it more and more. And again, not saying that I'm perfect by any means, but it's this, it's literally being willing to admit you're wrong, being willing to face when you have a part in something, and that's the other key takeaway from this, it always takes two, or at least two. It's never just one person, even if it feels like you were the complete victim and they were the complete, um, whatever the opposite of victim is, bad guy, bad girl, bad person. It's never ever that. Because, like I said, for example, the mirror thing, you're probably already vibrating something that's making that happen. Two, one of you is triggered and you know, you're sort of allowing that without trying to interpret the other person's intentions and what's actually going on and why that's bringing up old stuff for you. So that's what self-work is. And I get it. Like, I get why they say it's the hardest thing because you literally have to just be willing to look at yourself and, you know, say you're not good enough. But what I realized too is the way to do that is just literally by having complete unconditional love for yourself. Because that's when, once you have enough self-worth, you can do proper self-work because you don't feel like your worth depends on being perfect. So you can easily look, admit your wrongs to yourself, to somebody else, share them on a podcast or with a friend. And when you do that, it's the opposite of putting yourself down or sort of making yourself look stupid or shitty or lesser. It makes you look better because the biggest people and the most self-aware people and anyone that I look up to are the ones that can confidently call themselves out, share it with other people because they know it will help and, and fully know and admit that it's going to happen again. Well, that's a wrap, folks. Thank you so, so much for listening to me ramble. I hope just one thing, if not more, from today's episode resonated with you. And as always, I have one final piece of advice. Go and do something that makes you smile.